Welcome back to Following Noah on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 110, and we are doing chapters 29 through 33 of Rhythm of War. We have plenty of Shalon and Adolin content to talk about this week, a little bit of Kaladin and a little bit of Venli. Paul, you were saying that you have been missing your Venli point of view either last week or the week before, and we finally are back to her, so how are you feeling? Well, we do get to see Venli here a little bit, um, and our, do I even call them Parshendi anymore? The Fused, the Higher Ones, or whatever they're called nowadays. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, This is Venli's book, so I've been wondering when we're really going to start seeing from Venli, because we're getting, I mean, we're not far in, but we're getting further in. We're we're a decent way through part two now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit in, so... Elliot? Yeah, we're pushing a, a third of the way through the book here, and we, we still have yet to see a Venley flashback chapter, which I was expecting yes. to see more of. I was, I was really excited to see, and we haven't seen one yet, so we better get like six in a row later or something like that. Sounds, sounds good. We will have to wait for that. Do you guys have two words to summarize this episode? We'll go with Elliot first. Sure do. As always, I'm going to pull from the very small Kaladin excerpt, actually. Most of this episode is going to be about Adolin and Shallan, but there's a little bit from Kaladin that was great. My two words are lift together. Oh, yes. Well, does Kaladin have two pages in the book? Pretty much. And Paul? My two words for this week are adhesion and embodiment. Oh, good. All right, let's use these four words and talk about Rhythm of War. All right, Paul, let's do yours first. Adhesion. I'm curious what you picked up with that word, because... I will be revisiting that word myself later. So what'd you get? Yes, uh, this raised probably my biggest question of this chapter, uh, which we will dive into probably more in depth later on. Um, But in the Vinley chapter that we got, we hear that there are nine surges, or at least according to the fuse, there are nine surges. Um, And so that means one of the ten surges that we know is at least fake in their eyes. I- I'm believing that it's just fake in their eyes right now. Um, but that surge is adhesion, which we know Kaladin has of, as a Windrunner as well, and that's shared uh, next to the Bondsmiths. So yep. I thought that was really interesting. I'm, I'm curious to hear what y'all have to say about that later. Um, but that instantly made it to one of my two words. Uh, my second word is embodiment. And that is for, like, the first sentence or two that I read, um, or, excuse me, listened to. Um, yes, with proper voice, man. <laughs> yes. Um, with a uh, reading here, chapter 29, we get an epigraph that talks about a sword that is the embodiment of preservation and ruin. Which, <clears throat> which I uh, took... Yeah, that's my second word. 
Um, <laughs> we'll move along for now. And uh, Elliot, what are your two words? Let's yeah, <laughs> let's hear from Elliot, and then we will certainly be talking about epigraphs here in a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and read the quote that this comes from real quick. <clears throat> this is this is Kaladin. The squad is stronger than the individual. You simply need to get them pointed in the right direction. Get them to lift the bridge together. And he's talking about the the, the mental health patients that he's that he's working with. But this is kind of a running theme we've seen with Kaladin a little bit lately, with the whole come together, support each other have you know that bond of of brotherhood i guess something like that so i picked it actually because it's a bit of a contrast from what we're seeing in the other chapters in the adel and shalon chapters it's a bunch of intrigue and espionage and people working against each other and then kaladin's kind of spearheading this charge to work together so that was that that was why i went for it cool i really like that all right without any further ado we have some epigraphs to talk about, specifically chapter 29 epigraph. If you are a patron, a couple weeks ago, we posted a video of Elliot and Paul reading this epigraph for the first time, and it was probably one of my favorite content pieces we've ever made for this podcast. It was very fun for me to watch you guys have a meltdown in real time, and so that was so that was very fun, but... For epigraph 29, I'm going to read all the epigraphs for this episode. If you want to hear, and we're not done with part two by any means, so there's more to this letter. And at the end of part two, we'll probably revisit this again uh, with the full context. But uh, within the context of last week, when I read all the epigraphs up until that point, and then including this one. So here we go. Chapter 29. I have begun searching for a pathway out of this conundrum by seeking the ideal person to act on my behalf, someone who embodies both preservation and ruin. A sword, you might say, you can both, who can both protect and kill. But this does not get to the core of your letter. I have encouraged those who would speak to you, or to, who would speak to me to heed your warnings but all seem content to ignore Odium by the, for the time being. In their opinion, he is not a threat as long as he remains confined in the Rosharan system. I do not share their attitude. If you can, as you suppose, maintain Odium's prison for now, it would give us, ne ne it would give us necessary time to plan. This is a threat beyond the capacity of one shard to face. Unfortunately, as proven by my own situation, the combination of shards is not always a path to greater power. We must assume that Odium has realized this and is seeking a singular terrible goal, the destruction and somehow splintering or otherwise make, making impotent of all other shards other than him. So back up to the chapter 29 one and I will let you guys have at this what does this mean so this means that our beloved sword friend Nightblood is actually the I'm not entirely sure what term to use for it but the vessel for not one but two shards of Adenalsium 
Okay. Like we've that is seen certainly one interpretation. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is at least my base understanding. First time being exposed to this. Uh, that's what it means. I th- I'm thinking of it in the context of what is it? Uh, like I don't know if you equate this to like is this on the playing field of like the Stormfather and the Night Watcher, or is this is this like are 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 preservation and ruin inside of this sword? Unclear a little bit on the mechanics of this in my mind, but Nightblood is probably the most powerful thing that we've seen so far. Because he's got not one, but two. Let, let me share my thoughts, and we can try and <clears throat> try and unpack it a little bit. When when I first read that, when, when Trevor made me read that on on camera for the first time for that that little bit we did, yeah, my brain about melted when I read it because the, your first thought goes straight to to Nightblood. It's like two shards in a sword, protect and destroy. We have seen probably the most powerful being entity object in this universe we've seen so far, Nightblood. Yep. That that could make sense that somehow, some way, Nightblood is a vessel of two shards. But I'm with you, Paul, that this spins off all the questions and and now that i've had a little bit of time to digest it a little bit you could easily interpret this differently sure it 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 could easily read as a metaphor and not literal we're, we're reading this literally right two two shards together in a sword well you could this could easily be a I need a vessel who can be like a sword for me that both protects and destroys because that's the power that I have within these shards, preservation and ruin. Now, that being said, that this drop that this is clearly crafted to mean something for us. We we are intended to take this this meaning from this. I I am a hundred percent sure of that. Is it a red herring? That would be really mean, <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> It's possible. Okay, so let's let's go by well, let's go through this a little bit slower. Preservation and ruin. You guys have been name dropped two more, and Paul, you you may or may not have previous knowledge to one of those from Mistborn, but um, you guys have been name dropped two more. How many shards are you guys missing? now are we missing it's one or two isn't it one's one nice wow. so we're like you guys current, are missing we? one yes you got as far as you as far as definitions go you're not current like you don't know all of the things that all these shards can do but as far as names go you guys know as much as we do is this well, this is probably not true, but it's one of the big things that, in my mind, we weren't ever going to reach this, <laughs> knowing as much as everyone else does, you know? But I'm sure there are things that we've learned in the past that there's only so much to learn about, and so we know as much as the next person. Sure. But this is like a first, like in my mind, really big check off the list. 
you know, which is really cool. Um, I'm excited. I, I've gotten to learn a little bit about these shards. One, mostly in mention, and the other, like, a little bit in practice. I am not done with the Hero of Ages. I am in part two. Uh, still, I'm so sorry to all those who... I, I've gotten some comments recently about, oh, I'm just waiting for Paul to finish Hero of Ages, and I will finish it. Um, I promise. It's with a lot of stuff happening for you, so no, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Okay, so... This sword that we're talking about here. Let's back up from the sword part and read right before it. I have begun searching for a pathway out of this conundrum by seeking the ideal person to act on my behalf. Someone who embodies both preservation and ruin. A sword, you might say. So two things. Whoever's talking apparently has both, as we can as we can surmise um, from the, like he implies it there, but then uh, they insinuate that they have both later on. They have yet to find a pathway out of the conundrum that they find themselves in. So this whole theory that you guys are launching of Nightblood hasn't happened yet at the time of this letter writing. Now, it might have happened by by the time of Stormlight 4, by Rhythm of War, or even Warbreaker, or whatever, um, if you want to run with your Nightblood is both Ruin and Preservation Vessel, or whatever you guys want to um, run with there, and I won't say too much on that. But at the time of the writing of this letter, that has yet to happen, right? I just wanted to clear that up of the timeline there. That- that has to be true for our theory to to work, right? Right, is what you're we're getting at, right? So, and there's there's an unknown time gap between Warbreaker and <clears throat> Rhythm of War, right? So, there's all it, this letter has to have been even before that, which we don't even know how long that was before, which could be plausibly a long time. We, we don't have a lot of our only connection is a couple of characters that have showed up. But then we just learned recently that Zyle, who is Vasher, is apparently dead-ish, sort of. So he could have been that way for a very long time, theoretically, I think. So, yeah, timing of this letter is going to be important. Right. That's that's true, because I kind of just made the distinction that hypothetically, if Nightblood is the embodiment of the vessel of the actual shards, Preservation and Ruin... I'm assuming that that's why you're so powerful, right? And we saw that power displayed in Warbreaker, so I'm assuming that before that is when that would have happened. So, right? Was he just was it just a normal sword before? Yeah. And then I want to talk about shards moving forward here because whoever is writing this letter has two of them. And we haven't seen that before, the one vessel having two shards. But they say that it's not actually all that cool that it sounds like, because he has two shards that are so polarizing that it almost hampers their abilities, right? They they feel like 
they're so torn on everything they want to do. And if you hold both preservation and ruin, those are two very opposite powers, two very opposite emotions. And you can't just, you kind of just stall, right? Like, I'm going to push back against that a little bit, or at least from my understanding. Because I feel like what we usually see from Nightblood is that he wants to destroy evil, but isn't it from a place of, like, wanting to preserve good? He's just kind of under the influence that, or under the perception that basically nothing is good. Right. There are very few things that he's like, no, that's not evil, you know? So he's just like, if I want to preserve the good, therefore, I must destroy all the evil, which is, like, everything, so... I was I was trying to wrestle with this a little bit too, because th- th- this part of this that talks about like the combination of shards, and all of our shards seem to be attributes, or or at least named after attributes, I guess. So I was starting to wonder, like, if you combine two shards, do you get some sort of a combination attribute of the two? Do does does the shard no longer become whatever it was and become some sort of a mixed? of what it's combined with that those were the thoughts I was having. Yeah, that's a good question is if they're in the same vessel, do they just play off each other or do they meld and become something else? Right. Like if you had valor and honor at the same time, that'd be pretty cool. All right. Anything else for our epigraphs before we move into the actual book here? Yeah, one more thing. Do we know who this letter is addressed to? Yes. Is it Hoyd? Yes. Okay. Paul, are you sitting down? (laughs) Always. Oh, okay. So part of the letter that's easy to skim over if you're going fast, but when you read it again, I I kind of had a, a light bulb moment here if this is addressed to Hoyd listen to these sentences carefully if you can as you suppose maintain Odium's prison for now it would give us necessary time to plan this is a threat beyond the capacity of one shard to face when I read that the, implica- the implication there seems to be, hey, you, who's controlling Odium, you, Shard, may not be able to hold this very much longer. Is Hoyt a Shard? Or a vessel of a Shard? I, I like this, but I would before I get really excited about it, I would want to go back and see because we've seen letters written by Hoyd, right? So that's historically what we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Was he, like, writing in, like, asking for a shard to come help kind of thing? So I feel like that could just be a response. Like, this is not, like, one shard isn't going to be enough. Um, in my okay. mind, it could very well be, like, interpreted as a response to a letter that Hoyd wrote. But, but... Who cares? I want to talk about Hoyt as a, <laughs> as a, like as a shard. Like, which shard would he be? I don't remember all of our ones there, but is he whimsy? You know, like what's going on? Right. I, you may have a point there. I'm gonna have to go back and read it again because I, 
I and when I when I read it here, I thought it was pretty clearly implying that that Hoyd was the shard being mentioned there. But but maybe you're right. Maybe it's responding and saying, "Hey, you asked for my help as a shard. Well, one shard's not going to be able to help you." Hmm. I, I still think this might be implying that that Hoyd is or has a shard. But you also know that he's a knight's radiant now. He's just got all the powers, I guess. I True. guess we already knew that, right? So back in The Way of Kings, we read in an epigraph when we had no context at all. We read in, in the epigraphs of Hoyd's letter to Frost, who is part of the 17th Shard, a dragon who is part of the 17th Shard, asking for Frost's help. Next book, Rhythm of War, or Words of Radiance, we read Frost's letter back to Hoyd and saying, no, I'm not going to help you. Odium is trapped on Roshar. We're going to leave him there. Then, Oathbringer, you read several letters back to Hoyd from semi-anonymous sources. Um, they, You can figure out who they are. Um, all saying, no, we're not going to show up. Except for one. Um, do you guys remember that? So the endowment wrote him back. Uh, devotion wrote him back. No, who who's on Taldane? Whoever's on Taldane wrote him back. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, I don't remember. But then there was a third letter that said, "Yes, I can." I didn't know you existed before, but yes, let me see what I can do. And then this one is an, a second letter from that last recipient. So the, the same author from Oathbringer, that, that third one that said, I will help you, is writing this letter and saying, I really do want to help you fight Odium, but I have no idea how, is what he's saying here. So. Anyway, new running theory, Hoyt is a vessel of a shard of Adonauseum. Sounds good. All right, we will revisit these at the end of the part once we have the full context of the letter. And we can dive into chapter 29. Shadesmar, we have hit land and we are starting our on foot convoy towards lasting integrity for to petition the honor spren to join the war several things happen in these series of chapters we'll kind of just knock out 29 30 and 32 all at once here analin and shallan well let me back up shallan isn't she's in and out of these these chapters and Vale it actually does the most of the talking and she talks to Marais with the with the special cube that the spy has moved what were you guys' thoughts on the on Shalon picking up the cube and talking to Marais she has the moment she picks it up something strange happens what what happens I was really intrigued by this. 
she's like trying to start the communication and then she like zones out in a, in a memory or a, a flashback almost. And she, she remembers that she thinks she's used one of these communication cubes before, like before, before a long time ago. And I was really stuck wondering why, why would she have used one of these things in the past? I mean, we still don't quite know what it is. Right. And who would she be talking to? And what are the implications right. of that? Yeah, because she has a vision of home, her her palace in Yakoved, implying that she's used one way back then. See what's what's kind of been throwing me for a loop with, honestly, a lot of our reading here is there's so I feel like we're getting the allusions to needing more Shalom flashback chapters and not Venley flashback chapters. And I'm yeah, like, well, yes, that's true. Well, shouldn't this all be in book two, you know, <laughs> or, or at least like before we had the big resolve. So yeah, it's been kind of throwing me for a loop because most of our Shalom content is, Oh no, what Shalom knows something's wrong or alludes to stuff being wrong. I'm like, okay, we had your arc, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's real, that's true. Shalon confirms or very nearly confirms something for us here in this chapter that's actually very helpful for me. We we talked a little bit a while ago about the question of could Shalon have spoken oaths before? Could she have, you know, how did she kill her mother with a shard blade if she hadn't already been a knight radiant? Right. And so the the theories were kind of spinning has she spoken these oaths before? Did something happen and she somehow regressed like all the way back to zero to the point where she, when we, when we meet up with her, she meets pattern for the first time. Or so you think now we're learning actually, no, she straight up says it right here in this passage. I spoke oaths before. And so that's really helpful clarification. Actually, that those theories I think are mostly confirmed right there in these sentences here that Shalon is remembering that she had progressed already with pattern and then somehow regressed all the way back to zero pattern with her such that when we first met pattern, he is like a very simple, can't even like string a sentence together. Right. And so pattern and Shalon both had to kind of build back up from zero after already been at, I think we theorized before she already had to have been ideal three at least yeah. night radiant. So, so yeah, so a little helpful clarification here, actually. It, it leads me to kind of, I think where I'm at with the Shalon story is I really want her to remember what in the world happened before. And then at the same time, I'm kind of scared. I, I maybe I don't want Shalon to remember. Maybe, maybe we should just leave Shalon like she is for now. I, I, I wonder, I'm very scared that I think Shalon is also scared of that is Shalon the actual real Shalon? Or are we going to learn at some point here that who we think she is, is actually just another persona that she has taken on to protect herself and maybe veils the real one or formless is the real one or some other entity out there is the real girl it's going to get confusing fast if we go there. Yeah. We see most of the, these chapters through Vale's point of view. And there are certain things 
that Vale tries to push Shallan to remember, and then certain things that she deliberately doesn't touch at all, where she knows that's really dangerous. I don't want to break Shallan, so I'm not going to touch that one. But then there are other parts where she really tries to get Shallan to emerge. So where do you guys think this is heading with Shallan? We've spent a good chunk of part two on Adolin and Shallan in Shadesmar here. We had this whole battle sequence about to happen with Dalinar and Yasna and Teravangian. They all went off to go fight a battle and we haven't seen them since the end of part one. So where do you guys think this is headed with, with Shallan and this, all the page time she's getting? Well, it has to end up with some big reveal, um, either confirming her worst fears that Formless is like a murderer or she's like been doing all this crazy stuff behind her own back, you know, um, or either that or it just kind of continues as a like, oh, Shalon has mental battles. You know, like, it it could just be her in her own, like, head worrying still. Um, and I don't think so. I'm I'm assuming there'll be some resolution there. So I think there's going to be some kind of big reveal with that. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's really good. Um, or, or a big surprise, I guess. I agree. I think we're going to get something big. I think Shalon may be even more important and pivotal to the story than we think she is now. Cause I'm seeing parallels to the, the drama we had leading kind of through part of last book, which was, Hey, what was the reason for the old Knights radiant doing the recreants where they betrayed their oaths and walked away? What, what secret could be so evil that they would kill their spread? We learned that it was a big reveal. It honestly wasn't as, crazy as i thought it was going to be i think the shallan bit may be as crazy as we think it's going to be because think about it she has told adolin that she with her own two hands killed her father and her mother and she's still terrified of another secret that she thinks will be the breaking point where adolin can no longer love her anymore she's she shared these terrible secrets and she's scared that there's something worse that is going to cause everyone else not to love her. So I'm really worried what that's going to be. I think it is going to build to a huge reveal and it's going to be like Shalon is the mother of all heralds or, or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that works. I like that theory. I'm sad. I didn't come up with that one myself. I just want to give a yeah. quick, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, we're about to have the big reveal that she's light song. Oh yes, I'm not gonna get that reveal. So that's gonna be the fourth. That's formless. I want to give a shout out to Adolin here in these chapters, because bless his heart, he is sticking with Shalon through thick and thin. He said his vows, and it doesn't matter if Shalon has DID, he is right there with her. And ten episodes ago, I was, uh. What's the word I'm looking for? Slandering Adolin's name for being the most uh, overhyped main character that we have. 
I I recant. He he is the reliable young lad that you would love to hang around, and he's got your back no matter what what you're going through. So he's he's right here with with Shalon no matter what. Well, Trevor, I I for one appreciate this because I've I've come to like Adolin more and more and more as as we've read this. I think he's who's grown on me the most so far from reading this book. Um, just seeing him in kind of a variety of ways. He's always been there among my like you know I like him, but wasn't in contention for like probably top five maybe. Sure, like just outside of that. But now he I think he might be up there. We've all got room for character growth, and I've I've received mine the last several pages here. So nice. Well, and now I'm just waiting for the Teft development, and then we'll all be happy. I'm, oh, I've been waiting for that for a while. For you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just hanging it over your head at this point. I'm just I know causing problems. I apologize. All right. So Vale talks to Maurice. And Marais drops the let me know if you see any more of these glory spren. And Shalon and Vale had specifically not told him about the glory spren. And this seems to point all fingers towards Beryl. This is the trap that Shalon set up a couple chapters ago. I'm going to tell you Content A, content B, content C. All right, let's see which one Marais tells me about. So now we're all suspicious of Beryl, right? Doesn't this, isn't this a little too easy? All right, like, didn't this go a little bit too according to plan? I feel like Marais is smarter than this and is, and knows what's up here. I, I also think Mraze is smarter than that. That would be, I think, a fairly obvious mistake. If he's talking to two different people, like the, the number one thing on his mind is going to be keep my information separate. Don't right. let them know that I'm talking to the other or or don't let Shalon know I'm talking to whoever. And as far as we've seen, Mraze is an extremely competent spy person thing, whatever he is. So it seems like a very rookie mistake that he would not make. Right. I agree. Elliot, you I asked you to put money on who you thought the spy was, and you thought it was Beryl. So now what? <laughs> I'm that mean I'm you're not... you've made a rookie mistake or 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 is it way to go, Elliot? I'm I'm not convinced it's not Beryl. But I'm not fully convinced it is Beryl either. I still think she's prime suspect in my mind. Maybe Mraze did make a goof, or I don't know. Maybe she's a unwitting spy or something like that. I, I don't know. Of, of the of the suspects we've had so far, she seems the most suspicious to me. I, I do agree, though. All of this seems maybe a little too easy, spoon-fed. So I, I'm not all in on it. I'd, I'm going to regret losing my money by putting it on on barrel but still my vote okay so we land in 
the port here. And then we start walking towards lasting integrity. And there's this group of humans in the port, Tukari humans. And they all group up and follow our, our caravan here. And now we've got caravan A, who's got all of our heroes. And then a couple miles back, we have caravan B, who is tailing them to lasting integrity. And I guess we forgot to mention here, we find Notum in the um in the port here he is our ship captain from last book who eventually let them go with silfrena and he has been dishonorably discharged from um by lasting integrity and exiled for like 300 years or something so he's on patrol and we find him and so he's walking the same path that everybody else is except nobody's kind of caravanning with each other we're all we're all a little bit separate so notum's up here caravan a caravan b and we're all kind of walking the same direction is that clear yep okay anything more on our shalon aelin chapters our shaladolin chapters no i uh i'm all good on those I still I think... don't fully know what this cube is, but we, we, we talked on that. That's just like my update to all our viewers, because we've mentioned it before. Uh, newsflash. I still don't know what it is. So The only other thing of major note in these chapters, right, is Adolin is trying to figure out <clears throat> the right way to approach the honor spread when they get there. Yeah, he he. They have letters from Dalinar, Yasna, a few others, right? So they can deliver the letters, but they know they're going to get a hostile reception when they right. get there. They know the honor spread don't want to talk to them. So Adolin's kind of trying to figure out: Do I just hand over the letters? Do I need to come up with some other strategy? Do I try and you know beg for mercy? Do I try and you know say, hey, we really need help? You know, take pity on us or do you try and take more of a try and you know trick him into a deal? He's trying to figure out all the different strategies he can he can go on. I'm not sure if he settles on one by the end of these these chapters here, but he's 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 strategizing, which is good. Yeah, I don't know how you convince someone who's been alive for two thousand years and hating you the whole time. Right. Good luck. All right. Our Venley content. Here we go. We are on a war march towards Yerithiru up this mountain. And they only walk at night and during storms to not get seen by Windrunner patrols. And yeah, that's about it there. There's a conversation between Raboniel and Venli, which actually is really helpful. Just a huge lord dumb unexpectedly on mechanics of search binding. So what did you guys learn? Well, I'll go ahead and hop in right away with my, uh, one of my two words, adhesion. And this is one thing I was really looking forward to talking about. Um, and to be frank, I don't remember the reasoning for why the fuse said adhesion was a fake surge because I believe Rabonio gives some like kind of distinct 
and specific like clarity as to why like it's apparently not real or not the case. Um, but it was weird. I wasn't expecting this one to be the the fake surge. I was thinking maybe it would be something with the Bondsmiths. It's usually my guess because it seemed kind of like seems like they're the most unique of our orders um, with surges and things like that. Uh, but I don't really understand why adhesion, um, why, like why adhesion is the fake surge, and two why it's a fake surge, um, in the fused eye fuses eyes. Um, <laughs> as far as far as um, as far as our knights radiant, like I- I'm from the understanding that it's not a fake surge. It's a real surge. It's completely normal, but in the fused. Fused Sid's eyes, it's it's just not real. I like this section too, where we got to learn. R- Rabonio does explain a little bit and kind of gives us a hint that the hint she gives is she claims that adhesion is of honor alone, and she says that the other nine surges are of both honor and cultivation. And therefore, they are pure and correct, and all of that. She she explains it interesting by by comparing cultivation to like life and honor to law. So like cultivation to give the power the the surge life and honor to like put it into law. Whereas she claims that adhesion is only of honor and therefore doesn't have the life element of cultivation is therefore unclean or I, I didn't quite know the what she's trying to get at there. Do you think that um, adhesion is just in honor because of all the laws of physics that it, it, it affects and stuff? Oh, that was a, a really... What a time for him to blip. <laughs> that's tr- that was a really poor attempt at a joke. Um, thank you so much. You... You can I'll try it again. All he, week. He, he blipped. You can try it again. <laughs> did, you, did you hear I, it? I think I know where you're going with. Okay. I missed all the keywords. I think I know okay. where you're going, but I missed yes. it. <clears throat> well, allow me to re- retell this beautiful joke so y'all can um, laugh hysterically. Is, is this adhesion fuse only... Wait, I said fuse... Is this, is this adhesion surge? surge sur- that's the word. I'm so sorry. Oh my- is this adhesion surge <laughs> only from honor because it breaks all the laws of physics? You know, or it it just affects laws of physics, so it's just tied to laws, not not life. We, we got them. Yes, got <laughs> that was a marathon of a joke attempt. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have fun editing that one. Yeah, just cut it all out, please. Just remove that one. <laughs> gonna do like take take two, take three, take four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all oh, right, man. So adhesion, <clears throat> Paul. You said that you assumed that it was the bondsmith power. It is the bondsmith power. That, so that's fair. If but... you if you look at my wheel out here, of all our knights radiant, each of them have two surges. So you can put a surge between each one, right? And it'll be shared by each Knight's Radiant, right? So then just treat that surge like a fused power. Like, that that's a fused class, and then each Knight Radiant borrows from two of them. 
So then the so if there's only nine. There needs to be one missing, and it's the one between Bondsmith and Windrunner for adhesion, because Bondsmith has Stone Ward powers and Windrunner powers, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and then, yeah, Windrunners have Skybreaker powers and Bondsmith powers, so. Yes, I've just, I guess, historically never thought of it as much as the Bondsmith thing to use adhesion. Right. It's all about pulling things together, uniting things, sticking things to other things. And and we've also got the, the nine unmade, right? So kind of still the question out there of, are the orders of fused, if you will, supposed to align with the unmade at all it doesn't seem like we've had any you know direct correlation to those yet maybe we could try and draw some comparisons but i don't know that this was still a helpful chapter regardless to help us figure out the the fused yeah the unmade are kind of strange because you could you can talk about the Lightweaver one that we saw in your theory but then it gets weird with the thrill is there a thrill equivalent you know is there right a, yeah, you know, what it gets kind of foggy. All right, any questions about the Venley chapter? We are on the way to attack your Thiru. All right, and thirty-three, short and sweet. Kaladin and Liren having a quick chat. Actually, it's Kaladin and Liren and his mom, Hasina. Thoughts. I kind of already shared my my takeaway from the chapter, which was the quote that I read with Kaladin, you know, taking what he's learned with the Windrunners, taking what he's learned from Syl and his oaths, and now applying that to his medical practice, which he's kind of focused in on these mental patients. So pretty cool to see him do that, actually. Pretty cool to see him take that leadership that he's learned and, and apply it in a place that you'd never expect that kind of thing to be applied. At least I wouldn't. You would think, oh, he's a he's a battlefield leader. He needs to be on the front lines. Nope. Here he is back at Eurythiru taking care of the people that nobody else knows what to do with. And so, yeah, here we have Kaladin. But I, I think the, the conversation is, it's cool. They're, they're trying to figure out, you know, how do we do this? How do we take care of these people? How do we help them heal? Hesina has an interesting line with Kaladin where she says it's it's kind of extraordinary that two mental health two people who struggle with mental health talking back and forth can actually help each other as opposed to hurt each other which is the kind of the revelation they're coming to here and Kaladin has this image has this realization that that's the only thing that got me through bridge four was I had all these other guys that I had to take care of and they helped me through it and I helped them through it. And so he's almost reminiscing his time in the way of Kings and bridge four. <laughs> and you know, the readers like you're, you're a third ideal Knights radiant and you're wishing you were running bridges, you know, like whatever. 
All right. Anything else for this episode? Nothing else here. We're we're making good progress. Like usual, I'm excited to read more. Um, and hoping uh, maybe next time we'll see a Vanley flashback chapter. We might. We might not. All right, sounds good. We might. I think we are building to some action scenes about to happen, it feels like. So let's read and find out if that's about to happen. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Ooh. So Light Song is going to come out and fight. That's going to be the big... Okay, cool. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya.